Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 352 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Wednesday night, still October 27th. It was October 27th the last time we talked to you, 2021. We're doing it again because the season is coming, and we're just too dang excited. Earlier this afternoon, we caught up with Kyle Filipowski. He is coming to Duke next year. He is John Shire's first recruit. If you missed that episode, go back in your feed and find it. Kyle Filipowski seems like a good dude, and you are going to want to hear from him. But we are back because we had two more topics we needed to discuss, and we didn't want to wedge them into that episode because we wanted to give them the space to breathe that they deserve. So a couple things that we are back here for. Before I get to those, I am Sam Klein. I am your host for this episode. I have Jason and Donald with me. Guys, hello. I'll start with Jason. How are you doing this evening? It's only been a few hours since I last talked to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, I, I enjoyed the conversation with Kyle, but I'm really looking forward to the start of the season, even if it's just an exhibition game. I want to get to a preview where we're talking about the Blue Devils playing in Cameron in a game that doesn't matter. <laughs> Absolutely. Donald Wine is also here. Donald, how excited are you for the one exhibition game season? Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, we've talked about practice. We've talked about scrimmages. We've talked about secret scrimmages. So why not talk about a game that is not going to count, but is going to be in Cameron and it's going to be against another team in front of our fans. How cool is that? We've been waiting a long time for it. We are going to talk about that scrimmage that is upcoming this weekend on Saturday against Winston-Salem State. And after the break, we are going to break down the latest Duke Blue Planet video, which was a fun video recap of the team's recent trip to D.C. for their quote-unquote secret scrimmage with Villanova. So uh, before we get there, though, the games this week, the game this weekend, as I said, is against Winston-Salem State. It is an HBCU, obviously, in Winston-Salem that I learned today plays at the Lawrence Joel Veterans uh, Coliseum Annex, which is, I guess, on the same campus as uh, as Wake Forest's Lawrence Joel Veterans Coliseum, but is in a slightly smaller arena. That is okay. They are coming to Cameron. We will not be going to Winston-Salem. So this team has not played a game in a year and a half. They did not play last season during the weird COVID year. They're uh, 2020 season was abruptly ended just as everyone else's is. So this is their first time back on the court. And Jason Evans is going to kick off our preview of Duke's exhibition game. The only exhibition game of this season against Winston-Salem state. Jason, what do you have for us? So first of all, Sam, you are completely accurate. This team has not played competitive basketball since February 29th of 2020 leap day. Remember, do you remember leap year, leap day? That is that apparently like, happened last year. That a lot of things apparently happened last year. <laughs> of all the things that happened in 2020. Yes. So that's the last time they played. They played in the CIAA championship game and they beat Fayetteville State. So Winston-Salem State, the Rams were the champions of the CIAA conference. And as you said, they did not play at all in 2021. So it shouldn't come as a great surprise when I tell you that only three players from that team of essentially two seasons ago are back with them right now. There's a 6'4 guard named Jonathan Hicklin, who uh, averaged about a little less than nine points per game. Another 6'4 guard, Xavier Fennell, who is a real defensive specialist. I'm sure this is the guy who's going to be asked to contain Trevor Keels. 
Um, and they bring back a little used six, seven forward. The biggest problem for any small school like this, when Duke plays these kind of exhibitions, is dealing with Duke's size. And, and this year especially, I mean, the Blue Devils are huge. Um, you know, we've talked about the fact that it wouldn't be crazy for Duke to roll out. You know, if Jeremy Roach, for some reason, at some point was on the bench and, um, and, AJ, <clears throat> and AJ Griffin was playing for Duke, we could be rolling out a lineup with like 6'6", six, six, Wendell Moore at point guard, 6'5", 230-pound Trevor Keels at shooting guard, and then nothing but 6'8", 6'10", 6'11", 7-footers on the front line. Our size is a problem for everyone, especially for a team like Winston-Salem State that is, uh, you know, so much, uh, not even a Division I team. Their biggest player um, is a uh, 6'9 forward, uh, Rasheen Merlin. Now, this guy's 23 years old. He had an injury riddled first couple seasons. Um, he played at Division Three Rowan University in New Jersey. But this is a this is a man. He's like 250 plus pounds, and and dude's been playing basketball for a long time, even though he's had a lot of injuries. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Rasheen Merlin match up against Duke's big men, and and perhaps I'm I'm betting he's going to get Paolo Bancaro, and it'll be an interesting matchup for him. And the other big man of note is a six eight. 22-year-old freshman, 6'8", 240-pound guy from France called Cyril Diop. But here's the name you need to watch out for. This is a guy who's not on the team in the past. You need to watch out for Cameron. Watch out for Cameron and Cameron. They have a 6'4", fifth-year guard that transferred to them named Cameron Campbell. Cameron Campbell averaged more than 15 points per game for, Link for Lincoln University in Pennsylvania two years ago. And he took almost six three-pointers a game and hit 40% of them. This is a dude who's going to fire away from deep. Cameron wants to make a name for himself in Cameron. So that's the scouting report on Winston-Salem State. They, they, their big men are old and big. And by big, I mean they're strong and beefy. And then watch out for Cameron Campbell, um, who's going to be the guy taking all the shots from the perimeter. I will not be at all surprised if he takes eight, maybe even ten three-pointers in this game. And relative to size, Jason, because you were talking about it, I think one of the keys here for Duke fans, at least in watching this game, is to think more about evaluating the guards than evaluating the big men. I know I, I say this every year when we when we get to the exhibitions, but uh, I think that that's important and and good to know that Winston-Salem State has some experience coming back and, and guys who are going to be excited to lead this team as if they were not going to be excited enough you know, coming back from over a year and a half of not playing games to all of a sudden be playing in Cameron. Donald, I wanted to throw it to you because I wanted uh, to get your perspective on Winston-Salem State and kind of ask what you're looking forward to in this game. Well, first off, before I do that, I want to talk a little bit about the history of Winston-Salem State because they do have quite a bit of pedigree when it comes to HBCUs and, and really the CIAA. Clarence Big House Gaines. Is Big a House. legendary coach. Big House. Everyone knows who Big House is. He had 828 wins at Winston-Salem State as coach. So this man was around for a long time. He had Earl the Pearl Monroe. And one of the talking heads of ESPN, you probably know him. You probably love or hate him. But his name is Stephen A. Smith. He also played for Big House at Winston-Salem State. So you have those kind of guys that have come through this program. Now, getting back to what I want to see from this game, I want to see the ball handling be on point because that's going to be the key for any offense is to make sure that you can take care of the basketball. As Jason said, they don't have guys that are really big. They have guys that are strong and they're strong on the basketball. And because of that, you want to, this is a good test because I want to see how our guards react 
to kind of getting pushed around a little bit. These guys aren't going to be bigger than them, but they're going to be physical. And I think that's going to be an interesting key, especially as we get into some of the games that we have coming up this season in the ACC, where guys are going to want to hover around us, get us off of our game by hounding the guards. If we can ball handle right here, this is the first step of many to seeing how we react to that and, and growing from it. And the, the thing I'm, well, I guess the, the, the other big thing that I'm looking forward to here is the potential maybe that AJ Griffin might be back in uniform. It seemed like he was practicing with the team this week. I know we're going to talk a little bit about images and photos from, from the scrimmage this weekend, but uh, would be very, very curious and excited to see if AJ Griffin is back in uniform for, for Duke this weekend. I, I, I would be excited to do it, but I also kind of am leery at bringing him back so soon because For again, sure. this is a this exhibition game that doesn't count, right? This is about getting, you know, getting everything into a role. He doesn't need to be a part of that this weekend. So maybe we see him for a spot second. But if it were me, I rest him and get him ready. And hopefully he's ready by the Kentucky game. Layup line. What I'd be looking for from AJ Griffin is does he join the team in uniform in the layup line? Mm-hmm. I don't think he plays, but if he's in the layup line, that's a very good sign. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a good way to do it. The other thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing Jeremy Roach and Trevor Keels play together. Obviously it's in an exhibition and there's only so much we can take from it. And Trevor Keels is going to be big enough to bully most of the Winston Salem state guys, but uh, very excited to see those two back together again on the court playing on the same team. Jason, leave me with one more thought on Winston Salem state. So I found some really, I was doing research on this team. Obviously I, I didn't know about Cameron Campbell and, uh, and Rasheen Merlin on my own without doing some research. And in the course of my research, I found out a really, a really fascinating fact about this specific exhibition game and how important it is for Winston-Salem State. So Winston-Salem State will get $15,000 for playing Duke, plus 75 tickets. They got 75 tickets to the game that were, they were given that they're going to give to like donors and people who are connected to the team and, and uh, you know, parents and stuff like that. But the big thing for them is they got $15,000 from Duke. Additionally, they're playing an exhibition against Wake Forest on Friday, November 5th, you know, almost, almost a week after they play Duke, they will play Wake and they get $7,000 from Wake. Duke's paying them 15, Wake's only playing them 7,000. But that combined $22,000, um, I, I just want you to understand how important that money is to Winston-Salem State. In 2019-20, the last time they had a season, the men's basketball team total revenue for the season was only $40,000. They're going to make half their total revenue off of playing these two exhibitions. It's just hugely important for a school like this to get an opportunity like this. Not because, you know, obviously it's great for the players to get a chance to to play against future pros, to get a chance to test yourself, to to play, you know, it's not exactly national TV. It's ESPN three, you know, ESPN extra, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, But it's a chance for these guys to play and have everyone that they want to watch the game. But for the program, this is the lifeblood of these programs. They're going to get $22,000 from Duke and Wake Forest. It's, that's, you know, practically their entire budget for the year. So, um, you know, props to them for, for taking on the challenge. And, and I'm really glad we can be helping them out in this way. It's important for Duke to spread the wealth around. We have plenty of wealth. We need to spread it with others. Jason, do you know if that's like the going right part for the course, like 15 grand? Because, you know, we talk about, some of the games that you hear about during the regular season, you know, a lot of teams will get paid 800 grand or even a million yeah. to come 
and get served up by by a, a top twenty five team or or blue blood. Is that something that is there, is there a cap on that for for exhibition games, or is this just something where maybe because of the going rate of it being Coach K's last season and so many people wanting to come, the price of the brick has gone down a little bit. Uh, so I, I I will admit I'm not sure. My bet is for these exhibition games, especially because there's not a lot of TV coverage of them, that you're not going to get nearly the kind of number you would for a regular season game. Uh, the fact that Duke is paying 15 and Wake, Wake is paying seven says to me that Duke may be paying a little bit extra because, you know, I don't know, because we're a little more special. We have a little more that we can, that we can afford than Wake Forest can. But um, the fact that the, those two numbers are fairly similar says to me that that probably is pretty much the going rate for this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's worth noting, we're not asking, if Winston-Salem State had to go someplace and travel and spend the night, you know, if they had to take a plane, um, that's a whole different cost that go, comes into the equation. Like if we're flying a team in from Oklahoma or someplace, I'm sure we would pay them more because they have to absorb those kind of costs. See, I, I think the rate with between us and Wake actually might be the same because like you said, like Wake Forest has to go 14 steps to, you know, to get into their gym with some sales state or literally across the street. So it's not like they have to go anywhere for that game. So seven grand might be right. elevated for them. And for <laughs> us, we're like, oh, you have to take a bus ride. You may have to stay overnight. We'll prepare all that. Here's 15 grand. That's fine. Right. We're paying eight grand for the bus. <laughs> right, right. It's a really good bus company. Man, it's a lot cheaper for these exhibition games than it is for like a standard buy game in, in basketball or in football. They're paying a lot more for, for oh, D1 programs. Like Donald said, those, those buy games are 600, 800, sometimes a million. I need to come back to something that Donald said, and I don't know how intentional it was. But Donald, you asked if the price of the brick was going up. And I need to know if you have also randomly been watching clips of The Wire recently on YouTube. And if not, why are you tapping into my YouTube account? Okay, so first of all, I don't just randomly watch clips of the wire on YouTube. You just watch the I wire. I always watch. I always watch them. Like, they're always there. Sometimes I just go in a little kick and I go, you know what? It's time. I gotta. I gotta catch some Omar. I gotta, you know, catch some of the, you know, the the best scenes or the scenes that I really enjoyed. So you have to do it from now from time to time. But also, you know, I'm I'm in your neck of the woods. I live here in D.C. Baltimore's right up the road. You know, it's something that is part of the the mantra that is the DMV is to talk about the wire. So it's always, it's always front of mind. Wait, guys, I have to know when you go to YouTube, you know how YouTube, when, when I go to YouTube, there are certain videos that they go, we know you're going to want to watch this one, you know? Yeah. What, what are your videos? Cause with me, uh, so it's, it's videos about Marvel movies, like breakdowns of Marvel trailers and stuff like that. That's what pops up for me. Saturday night live and old game of Thrones. Those are the three things that seem to pop up on my YouTube channel. Me is the wire. This is what you want. It's the wire slash movies. Which ones you got for the is it's the wire slash movies and music videos. That's it. Those Uh, those I mean music videos. I'll listen. I'll listen to that while I'm doing work. So that's what it is. Uh, I'm I I rotate among clips of the wire, clips of the office, Saturday Night Live. So Jason, we overlap on that, and then uh, lots of live bluegrass music. So I don't think either of you are, are as locked into that as I am. But uh, if if folks on the DBR need recommendations for hot current bluegrass acts, you know, you can you can let me know. We can we can chat about that over email dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We are not going to talk about this exhibition game anymore uh, because we want you to tune in Saturday afternoon 
uh, and then we will react to it. But we will be right back after the break. We have to talk about the 10 more minutes of behind the scenes footage that we got from the Villanova scrimmage. So stick around. So earlier today, Duke basketball put out a video montage of the trip to Washington, D.C., where Duke visited the Washington Wizards practice facility and played Villanova. We have talked way too much about the <laughs> clips that we got already from I this can't game. Be- by the way, I can't believe that they did this. Like, we literally finished recording. The and then they put the thing out again. Right. I know. We, we, we spoke about the, the 45 seconds of Villanova video. And then they dropped this. I was like, really, guys? So to be fair, they posted it last night because after the women's national team game, when I was going to bed, perusing through YouTube, as I normally do, or through Instagram reels, that came up a link to that, uh, to that video. So I was like, when I, when you guys posted today, I was like, did they post it again? Was that a dream of mine? No, they had just posted like right as the clock struck midnight. It just showed up in my feed today. That's what it must've been. Yeah. Yeah. In between anyway, my game now, of in between my Game of Thrones video. Yeah, I was gonna say it showed up. It showed up right right after Billy Strings uh, today for me. So the uh, so we have to talk about it because yes. Yes. because it happened. The video started with uh, with with sort of the quick hits of of the Duke guys boarding the the, the private, private jet, jet. private from RDU landing at in DC, going out for what appeared to be a very fancy dark dinner. Uh, which looked like a lot of fun practice and then, and then the scrimmage and then the return home. So uh, I don't, I don't have any particular agenda for this. Everyone can sort of react how they would like Donald. I would like you to start. Tell me about your impressions of the trip and feel free to not analyze the basketball. Yeah. Well, there's only two basketball things I'm going to note, but I'm going to start with this. I was trying so hard to find where they had dinner because it looked really good. And I want to go there because it's obviously here somewhere. I was so wondering you guys the same know, thing. If, if they know where it is, if you out there know where they ate dinner, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. And that way I can book a reservation. No, they were, Donald, wanted, they were in a private room. They were clearly in a private room. Oh, um, this is my town. It, it, I just need to know the restaurant and I'll get the room. That's not a problem. I just need to know what room it is. So if it's, if, if there's a money room involved, I don't have enough money to get into it, but I know someone who probably does. So with that said, that looked like a nice part. And I do like how they were going back and forth uh, on just like the trip and making it look like a road trip. I do want to comment on two quick basketball moments. One, Theo John yammed him someone from Villanova who sadly will have to retire before the season starts because that's what happens when you get yammed done like that. I don't know who it was, but it was, it was a yamming. That's that. Second thing, Jason... In the last episode, we talked about how you, or a couple of episodes ago, when we talked about the first video, you said, oh, I mean, Mark Williams didn't really do that well because we didn't get any block plays. Well, we have some block plays for you. So it sounds like they were just trying to give it all to his bit, bits and pieces at the time. So it looked like Mark Williams had a couple of plays where he was on defense doing his thing. So I really appreciated that. Yeah. So I was going to say, in, <clears throat> when I was watching the basketball, there were two things that stuck out to me. We had said, hey, we didn't see much of Jeremy Roach or Mark Williams. Well, then suddenly, like the first 30 or 40 seconds of, of highlights, and they are very quick highlights, was like all Jeremy Roach and Mark Williams. I, I think Jeremy and Mark's PR people must have spoken to Duke and said, hey, 
you didn't cut any clips of us. And so they, they included a lot of Jeremy and Mark. They listened to the podcast is what, that's what happened. That that's definitely what happened. Yeah. No, you know, Hey, there's not much to say about it. Um, I, I was pleased that, that Jeremy and Mark got, got those highlights in there and that they look good. Jeremy Roach just, you know, took like an 18 foot pull up jumper. Ordinarily I'd go, that's a low percent shot. What you doing, man? Knocked it down. Of course we shot a hundred percent in the video, just like the last one. So, you know, no big surprises, but yeah, it was, it's fun to see more of it. It's fun to get the additional little hints about, you know, who's doing what I liked seeing Mark Williams block the shots. Um, but I'm, I'm ready for Winston-Salem State. I'm ready for, for a real competition. The guys, by the way, the, the team said, Paolo, I think, Paolo said, we've been playing against ourselves. We've been doing nothing playing against ourselves. So it was good to play someone else. Now they get to play someone else in front of the fans. That's going to be yeah, fun. In that, in that Theo John uh, dunk highlight, I could see it in his face like, man, I've been waiting to do this to somebody not wearing the same uniform as I am for such a long time now. So you right. can... You could feel that that pent up energy. Two other observations that I made. One was how excited the team was apparently to be on this trip. Uh, obviously, they're only going to pull the clips that are fun to watch, but it, it was it was great to see sort of that extended look. And I was thinking about it in particular because I watched this video right after we talked to Kyle Filipowski about how excited he is to watch the team this year and 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 how they seem to be coming together. So uh, all signs point to uh, everyone is is particularly psyched for uh, competing in Coach K's last season. The other thing that I don't think I've observed before, and I'm going to ask both of you if you think this was a new development, was Wendell Moore funny in this video? And is that the first time that Wendell Moore has been funny in a video? He feels he relaxed. He was outgoing. He's relaxed. Yeah, yeah. he was. He, he's, been, he, he's been more reserved, I feel like, in years past. So this is, you know, on the, on the Wendell Moore uh, development curve, I feel like this is just one more one more datum about about how much he has grown as a as a Duke basketball player. He's stepping in front of the mic. He's making jokes. So uh, I'm I'm excited about that. Yeah. And I, I, speaking of Wendell Moore, captain, I, I saw him and Joey Baker look like they are really embracing the leadership role. Um, we saw them gathering the team around them, talking to guys and stuff like that. Uh, I, we, we've talked so much about how last year did not have leaders. Not going to be a problem this year. It, it, it's abundantly clear those two guys recognize um, that they've got this role that, you know, on lockdown for this season. And Paulo is only a freshman, but he seems extremely poised in all of this. Like he Absolutely. he knows the burden that he's about to that he's about to shoulder this year for the team. And he is ready and excited for it. And completely even like they go, Paulo, you 29. And by the way, we got confirmation of the 29 and 12. Like Paolo, twenty nine mm-hmm. and twelve, and he was just like, yeah, what you know, yeah, whatever. whatever. It, it, it absolutely that that dude, um, he just, I, I think he never gets excited, never gets down. He's just he's steady all the way while he's killing you. One last thing I wanted to know: a couple of things, real quickly. One, one thing that it, in the practice that I was able to visit a couple of weeks ago that Coach K said about Trevor Keels is that he never gets tired. He never looks tired. He never actually gets tired. He always is just on the bench and he always is fresh and feels ready to go. Keep a note of that because in these videos, you see him run around doing stuff and he never has a different face other than that face of just sheer determination and just going for going for it all because he knows he can do it. So that's one thing to note. And the other thing I'll note is I really love when Duke 
basketball does some of these behind the scenes things on like road trips or like what a day is like in the, in the, in the life of a player or the life of a coaching staff or whatever, because it gives us a chance to kind of peel back the onion and see what an operation all of this is and how many people it takes for them to do their job right. Just so Paulo Bancaro can have a basketball in his hand and shoot just so Jeremy Roach can pass it to window more who can shoot a three. There's a lot that goes into the operation of Duke basketball. And I love that they're doing these little behind the scenes things. So that you kind of see how it works so that people don't just go, Oh, these guys just show up and play ball. There's a lot of people who are involved in it. And a lot of people deserve the credit for how this program operates like a well-oiled machine. I completely agree. But if the bus didn't show up on time and the restaurant didn't have the right reservation and they had to go to someplace different, we wouldn't see it. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, if, they, if the shrimp, if the shrimp cocktail wasn't banging, they would have taken that off the menu. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that said, you're, you're hundred percent right. And it, it is really cool. I, I, I love how media savvy Duke is about all this stuff. You know, they, they really bring the fans in by, by giving us these peaks. And we, we love that. And we'll continue talking about it. Okay. Before we get out of here, Donald, I know there was a topic that came up today that you wanted in particular to discuss. It regards the future of the ACC, specifically ACC headquarters. Tell us what you're thinking. Yeah, so this actually appeared. Uh, there was a lot of discussion on the DBR forum. So if you're a part of that, go to that thread. is It's popping right now. So uh, basically, the idea is that the ACC is considering moving its headquarters out of Greensboro. The reason why is basically saying, they, they want a fresh change, and a lot of schools are calling for them to move to an area that is a little bit more robust. Basically, a lot of times, these guys have to fly in, uh, or all these ADs have to fly in on short notice to do meetings or conduct business. And Greensboro is not necessarily known for being the hub of transport in on the eastern seaboard. So they're talking about considering moving to a bigger city that has a hub airport, that has a lot of amenities things like that. Now, I do want to preface this by saying there is a couple of trains of thought for this. The first one being move it to Charlotte. That seems like the most logical choice. It's in North Carolina. It's still in the center of what is the Atlantic Coast Conference. It's a big city. It has a big hub. It doesn't have a team. And I think that's important because I think some schools don't want it to be in a big city that has an ACC school currently in it, which would rule out places like Atlanta or Boston. The other one that makes a lot of sense is right where I'm sitting right now in Washington, DC. Again, right smack in the middle. It is a it used to be a part of the ACC. So it's part of that culture. And it's close enough to a lot of schools that it's still easy to get to for a lot of teams. So those are kind of the things that people are debating back and forth. There's obviously some other ones that you can throw out, you know, from New York all the way down to Tampa. But I think if you're looking at the ACC moving, I think the logical choices are either. Charlotte, or if the Don Carolina schools really have their say, it would be Washington, D.C. Uh, so don't rule out my, my city. Don't rule out Atlanta. I, I hear you about not wanting it to be in a city where there's a team that has, you know, that city as its base. But um, from a transportation standpoint, Atlanta's got everybody beat. And, Absolutely. Uh, I, I, and I do think one thing that's going to work against Charlotte is the non-North Carolina teams have always felt like North Carolina dominated the conference that we play. You know, we play the ACC tournament in North Carolina more than any place else. And, and these four Duke, UNC, NC State and Wake Forest, you know, have had an outsized impact 
on the conference for a long, long time, I think that those schools probably are going to want to move it someplace other than the state of North Carolina. That I think you're right. I think you're probably right. Washington is probably the most logical place. Um, but it'd be real interesting to see if they did Atlanta. You'd be going right into the SEC's backyard, which could be a little bit awkward there. But um, I, I think those are the two main possible. I don't think they'll go as far north as Boston or New York because the conference is still mostly Southern and they just don't want to be that far away. Let me put the the plug in for New York as the potential option, because I do think that D.C. is probably still the most logical, as Donald was saying. It's I think it's the the easiest for everyone when you put it in aggregate. It's it's basically right in the middle geographically of where and, the conference and, is and if now. I can, if I can really quick, the other advantage with D.C. is that uh, the NCAA college sports are becoming more and more intertwined with our with our government. Um, and there's going to be legislation that, you know, impacts things. And if you're the ACC, if you're in D.C., you're going to be able to cozy up to some of those people a little bit better than if you're in a different city. That actually leads very perfectly into my, uh, pitch my potential pitch for New York, which is that <laughs> as much as the conferences want to be uh, close to Washington and, and, and close to legislation, I think it's even more important that they're close to media. And and the media companies are all headquartered in New York. ESPN Amen. is in New York. Uh, all the broadcast companies, if they're not headquartered there, they have major presence in New York. So whoever the ACC's broadcast partner is long term, if it's not ESPN, although they're certainly locked into ESPN for a long time, whoever it is, that company is going to be in New York being in the in the media capital of the East Coast, if not the whole country, I think is important for the ACC. And ultimately, that's where the money is coming from. So I would not be surprised if the ACC leaves Greensboro for New York City. A couple of things on that. I think the one thing about Charlotte that's intriguing, if again, if they still want to stay in North Carolina, is that Charlotte has become the southern hub of ESPN over the last five years. The ACC network is headquartered there as we speak. So them moving there wouldn't really change operations as much as it would moving to D.C. or moving to New York. But in D.C., the one thing about it from the government side or just the government relations side is that a lot of people don't know this out there. And I think you guys do because you guys are tuned into everything, but Duke has a Washington office for government relations here. We actually, our alumni club runs out of this club, the Duke of Washington office. Almost every single school, major school in, in a P5 conference has offices here in DC because of the government relations perspective side of things. And because of that, there's a lot of meeting space available. So if these guys are trying to meet and they move here, they will have the opportunity to be able to just meet whenever they want because meeting space will not be at a premium as it would be in a place like New York. It's funny for us to be arguing about this, given that like everything happens remote now and, and you don't even have to travel to these places to be able to meet with people. So uh, they're going to watch, they're going to leave Greensboro and they're just going to move to Richmond. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> now discuss the merits, discuss the merits of New York, Washington, Charlotte, and Atlanta. You know what that means? They're moving to Miami Nashville. for sure. <laughs> Nashville, right? Right. Yeah, they're going. They're, they're they're going somewhere nice. You know, they don't have to waste their time being in these mm-hmm. in these big corporate hubs. Who cares? Vegas, about baby. They're be in the hotels. ACC based they're in gonna, Vegas. Basically, they're going to be in the hotels, their their own hotel rooms to do the conduct the conference, and then they're going to be like, oh, well, we said we're ending at 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 eight because I have this other prior engagement. They going out. That's what they try to do. That's what that's really what it boils down to. Greensboro is not sexy for a lot of the executives of the ACC. They want to be in a place where they can party 
And some of the ones that we've mentioned are all places where they can party and have a great time and also wake up in the morning and get some business done. I like it. All right. We will see where the ACC moves. We will be back to talk about the Duke and Winston-Salem State exhibition game. But until then, for Jason Evans and for Donald Wine, I am Sam Klein. This has been episode 352 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Stay in touch with us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what's on your YouTube feed, I guess, and we'll talk to you again soon. With that, Duke Band, take us home. You know, you sigged out so much better than I did. <laughs> what, what, what can I say? It's a, it's, it's one of my, it's one of my strengths.